Feels the body's burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Hi, this is Bob Petrakis bringing you the other side of the news. And I'm Dan Dugan, the other guy on the other side. WGRN, the Green Renaissance. This is Bob Petrakis bringing you the other side of the news on WGRN 94.1. The Green Renaissance and your favorite Pacifica affiliate. Speaking of Pacifica affiliates and the uh, left coast, uh, we've got Harvey Sluggo, Sluggo <laughs> Wasserman on the line. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. What's up, Sluggo? Well, you know, I had to give up Harvey Wasserman uh, in L.A. because of Harvey Weinstein. And so uh, Sluggo was my nickname from the hippie farm where we farmed organically and stopped the local nuclear power plant from being built. So, you know, it seems appropriate. People are getting used to it. Uh, it didn't well, make much well did you play uh, baseball, though? On the, I did on indeed, the farm. yes. I, I was a spectacular athlete, and I find that the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm up to the point where I remember playing for the Celtics and the Red Sox in the same season. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Indeed. So anyway. Yeah. So um you know what's amazing and nobody's nobody's picked up on this. So it'll be a first for your show, but you know the Trump administration has actually um acknowledged global warming. They they say they say now that if things are going the way they're going to go that there'll be a massive increase in global temperature. <laughs> They're just saying that it doesn't matter, and they don't care. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty big switch, but it's it's not really encouraging. But on on the other hand, they stopped denying that the temperature of the Earth is rising. So <laughs> they're they're no longer uh, uh, deniers, right? They're not deniers. Well, they're denying that it matters. Well, well, well they're den- well, they're saying it, it doesn't. Well, neither do the scientific reports. I mean, that was the most amazing thing early on, right? When, when essentially Trump said that his uh, the U.S. scientist at the EPA uh, didn't have to be taken into consideration. Right? Why should they be? You know, they're not they're, they're not Trumpists. I mean, you know, but uh, they 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 are not denying any anymore that the temperature is going to rise. Uh, they, they're probably going to argue that it's a good thing, you know. All that real estate in the Arctic and Antarctic now becoming available, you know. More beachfront beach property. <laughs> and the new uh, oil and uh, gas drilling in the Arctic? Absolutely, you know. And, and why not these wonderful hurricanes like Michael and Florence? I mean, you know, they're so exciting. And they, they get to people to, like, clean out their houses with seawater. You know, <laughs> flush flush out all those hog lagoons. I mean, you know, it's a great thing. Of course, they had to shut the, the Brunswick nuclear plant for a while. And, but, you know, uh, the, the, there's no more denying it as far as they're concerned. And, um, I mean, the other good news, Bob, is that uh, 
Uh, First Energy um, is saying now that, you know, they're in bankruptcy, and they're saying they're going to close Davis-Desi in 2020, I think it is, or 2019. And then uh, there are other three nukes, Perry and the two at Beaver Valley, are also going to go down by 2022. So, Well, that's uh, big news. That's really good news. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's a group that's been formed uh, to um, uh, keep them open, and they're going to try and get the legislature. Uh, who, who's that, there. Al-Qaeda? Interesting, yeah. d- dirty yeah. bombs? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, An act of it, terrorism it, it, to keep it open. Right, it's the Al-Qaeda Green Power Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but they, that, um, you know, they haven't had any luck with the legislature, amazingly enough, in all these years. Uh, there's been a very strong push from the right-wing anti-environmental uh, uh, groups to get the legislature to, to uh, subsidize Davis-Bessie and Perry, and they have been unable to do it. So hopefully uh, this will change, um, you know, and they won't, they'll, they'll, they'll fail again. I mean, Davis-Bessie is such a disaster. Um, it's amazing to me that it's still open or that it hasn't blown up. Pray God it we get through this uh, remaining time. Um, but the other thing in Ohio, there's still on the books this utterly insane setback requirement for wind energy in, um, in, nor- uh, nor- especially in, I mean, it applies to the whole state, but northern Ohio is actually one of the best, um, places in the world for commercial wind power. It's, it's totally flat. All the farmers want these windmills. Um, the winds are, they're not as strong as they are in the Dakotas or Minnesota, but they're very steady, and um, the, there's plenty of transmission lines. That's a big um, drawback to try and build new wind machines is there's, you know, there's never enough transmission line, but there's plenty of it in northern Ohio, and the windmills are sited, uh, would be sited close to urban areas. So they don't, the, well, the I, I saw wind term, and when I went up there for the Deb Centennial of his uh, trial, uh, I looked over at uh, Brown Stadium, and there was a, uh, a windmill, wind turbine. Well, it's in front of the uh, Museum of Science there. And uh, it is there, yes, and it does operate. And there are some wind farms in Ohio, but because of this setback requirement, which is complete nonsense. It has no useful function whatsoever except to prevent windmills from being built. Um, um, Iowa, uh, well, Iowa, Iowa has actually huge wind power, but Indiana, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, and New York, all the states that border on, oh, I guess you don't have a border with New York, but um, all the states that are surround us except Kentucky have multiples of more wind two, three, four times as many, uh, uh, much uh, wind investment in, in this, the surrounding states as in Ohio. And it's all because, you know, they, they, they've got this ridiculous setback. There's actually $4 billion worth of wind investment that's been approved that's just waiting uh, because of this one sentence in the Ohio Code requiring this ridiculous setback for wind turbines. So... Uh, even Kasich is against it, so hopefully, uh, at some point, we'll uh, we'll get rid of it and, and we'll move ahead. All right. And what can you tell us about the UN report on climate change? It seems to have my uh, students all upset. 
Well, you know, uh, basically it's predicting the apocalypse. I mean, they're, they're telling us that the, the, the human being, to put it, you know, bluntly, that human beings are going to be lucky to survive on this planet if uh, global warming continues. Uh, you know, these hurricanes, Florence, Maria, uh, uh, this Michael, I mean, uh, uh, you're talking about a huge disruption of human life, uh, and uh, it's going to get worse and worse. And, uh, the, you know, f- f- the fires in California, um, uh, record drought, record rainfall. It's not really co- global warming so much as it is climate chaos. Right. I the, mean, yeah, the, the, the plan The old concept of global weirding you used to speak of. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Well, that was Amory Lovins' uh, phrase. It's the best phrase there is, really. Um, and uh, uh, everything's going to go bluey. And uh, that the, I, I'm sure that the U.N. report is used slightly more modern language, but if you read these, what they're predicting, um, you know, Miami, uh, large parts of L.A., um, uh, you know, all the coastal cities are going to be gone. Uh, or large parts of them, and uh, uh, the forests are going to burn up. I mean, I was in Yosemite uh, a couple years ago and in Sequoia last year, and, you know, you look around, the trees are just dead. There, there's millions of dead trees out here in the West, and, um, you know, it hasn't hit like that in Ohio yet, but it will, and uh, you've got uh, the rise of all sorts of diseases and, and pests, uh, well, uh, one of the interesting things about Ohio was the report that the Buckeye tree, the state tree, is disappearing because of the change in the uh, climate. Yeah, well, you would, expect, you would expect that. I mean, if you go down to uh, Chestnut Ridge, uh, south of Columbus, the Metro Park, there's a, um, a plaque there, um, and it says that in 1903 or four, um, a species of tree, of chestnut tree, was introduced from, the, from Asia, and it had a certain blight on it, and it killed four billion trees in about six months. And the chestnut tree, which, you know, farmers relied on to feed their animals, and deer, I mean, the chestnut was everywhere. You could raise uh, animals, especially hogs, in Ohio, pretty much just with chestnuts from the woods. And, and uh, those four billion trees, and never came back. Disappeared in, in less than a year. And uh, so with global warming, you're going to expect all sorts of extinctions like that. And um, uh, it's, it's a nightmare. Uh, and it's definitely happening. The good news is we have the technology to prevent it. But, you know, oil and gas guys and nuclear guys like Trump, uh, that's what they're in there for, to prevent the rise of re- renewable energy. So you uh, say we have it, the technologies there? Is that what you're arguing, that we have the technology right now? Oh, absolutely. We could transition the entire American economy onto renewable energy um, based strictly on the availability of labor and capital. But the technology is there. We don't need a Manhattan Project. You know, Manhattan Project was basically about advancing the technology to build the atomic bomb. We have the technology to make the renewable energy transition. It's all there. All the solar panels, all the batteries, batteries in particular, that's the biggest one in the last couple of years. The wind and solar has been 
progressing very steadily. But in the last uh, couple of years, there's been a giant leap in battery technology. And in fact, the last couple of weeks has been um, writing about a new nickel, not nickel, uh, zinc air uh, battery technology. That means we won't be dependent on lithium ions, which is um, the hard, it's us harder to get. So the, the, the prices of uh, battery tech storage, which is really a crucial component of the transition in renewables is, is, is plummeting, and that's a very big deal. So you're uh, telling me that uh, your solar solartopia isn't really uh, utopian, that it's practical and uh, at hand if we want to do it. What's imminent? And, you know, one of the things that is happening with China is that um, uh, they have just leapt forward in, um, in renewable technology. To the point that they they pretty much almost cornered the world market in solar panels at one point, and uh, they they, they kind of just barely missed. So there are some solar panels being built elsewhere in the world, um, and now you know Trump slapped a thirty percent tariff on them as part of his brilliant easy to win trade war, uh, which is ridiculous. But you know, and it hurt the uh, solar industry here in the short term. But in the long term, it might actually open up the possibility of uh, doing significant solar uh, construction of panels and production in the U.S. And in fact, one of the biggest solar companies in the country is up in Toledo. So, you know, for Ohio, it's a big deal. But the price of renewables has dropped so far and so fast, it's not even close. Coal is not competitive anymore. Oil is, hasn't been competitive for a long time. Nukes haven't been competitive for a long time. The only, the only thing still in the ballpark is gas, but that's going away. I mean, the reason that they're doing fracking is because the previous um, uh, resource of uh, accessible gas has gone away. Mm. I mean, fracking is really a, a, a desperation tactic. And um, it doesn't pay anymore. So-called natural gas is no longer uh, cost-competitive with solar energy. And it's just a, it's an incredible phenomenon. I mean, if you look at the, at the graphs of the cost and efficiency of solar and wind, they're just completely, um, you know, surreal almost. Well, you're listening to WGRN 94.1. I'm Bob Fetrakis bringing you the other side of the news. And uh, Harvey Sluggo Wasserman is hitting it out of the park in arguing for Solartopia. Uh, what about, uh, for years, they always talked about the, the energy storage problem with uh, uh, electric cars, batteries, transmission how would we store this decentralized energy? Well, what's happened is that um, Elon Musk really did the breakthrough, and he, he uh, sold Australia a really, really big battery uh, array. Um, you know, it's huge. And it, it, it backs up a tremendous amount of electricity, which makes solar completely doable because they can get through the night. And um, this technology has been uh, uh, advancing with leaps and bounds. Uh, the guy who bought the L.A. Times is a billionaire 
um, uh, an Asian uh, guy, um, was on the front page <laughs> of the L.A. Times, amazingly enough, uh, talking about um, announcing his breakthrough in battery technology, and that's been the missing link. I mean, there's been no problem with producing energy, electricity, from wind and solar. I mean, windmills have been around since the 1400s. Uh, they were used in Persia in the 1400s to pump water, and they're all over the Midwest, the Great Plains in the 1800s and into the 1900s, uh, early 1900s, producing electricity and pumping water there. And, uh, and there's been a steady, uh, very steep um, rise in the, uh, in the efficiency and drop in the price of both solar and wind. But the missing link has been batteries. And um, uh, a couple of years ago, Elon Musk uh, uh, built the biggest building in the world in, uh, in Nevada to produce batteries. And they, they've been banging them out. You can buy a battery for your house. And um, if, if, you know, if like in L.A. here, if you put a solar panel on your house and have the battery in the basement, you're good to go. I mean, you, you will never get blacked out. And the, the batteries have just leaped ahead. They're also, of course, now very applicable to cars. And, and what's, what's happened is that with electric cars and the increasing efficiency of the batteries for the electric cars is that they're really leaving uh, the gas-fired automobile you know, along with, back with the horse and buggy. I mean, you can, uh, a, an electric car is four times as efficient as a gas car. It has virtually no moving parts, uh, the, so the repairs are zipped, and, um, you know, they are clean, they are efficient, and you can charge a, a car off your house. It all depends, of course, on the battery. Mm -hmm. And so the more efficient the battery gets, the the further the range. I mean, a lot of a lot of electric cars available now are actually over 200 miles in range, which is which is huge. It's a big deal. So I'm going to predict that you will not be able to buy a gas-fired car in 10 years. Um, first of all, there'll be regulations against it, but also it'll be so much. The gas cars are just so much less efficient and uh, less economical to operate, that uh, there's just not going to be any demand. Uh, you'll be able to buy electric cars in five or ten years. It'll go 500 miles and be perfectly quiet, uh, no emissions, and, and four times as uh, efficient as uh, a gas car. So, and that's, that's because of the breakthroughs in the battery technology. And it's, really it's been, you know, all those decades, nobody really did much. Uh, with battery technology. But the original electric car was going to be, the original automobile was going to be a, a battery car. I mean, um, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison had the model for, for an electric car. Um, uh, the, the basic idea was you, you had a car with a battery, and when your battery ran low, you drove into um, um, a station, and they, within, a, you know, two minutes, they pulled the other, the old battery out. They put in a new one, and you drove away. And then they would charge that other battery. Hmm. So you know uh, that was the original model, and that's what we're going to get um, uh, real quick. And it's a great thing. Well, in the last few minutes, uh, any thought about 
the upcoming election? Well, yeah, um, uh, maybe we should do another half hour on that because uh, well, you know, well, we uh, got nearly ten minutes. Got about nine minutes left. Uh, oh, all right, okay. So here's here's the way I see it, um, and I have decided to become a poll worker. I think everybody, you know, this whole thing about getting people out to vote is insufficient. People have to work the polls, and um, you know, in in Ohio, I don't have to tell you, John Houston, the Secretary of State. <laughs> running for lieutenant governor has stripped a million people off the voter rolls. The governor, the secretary of state of Georgia, is holding hostage about fifty-seven thousand voter registrations from um, uh, uh, mostly black people um, in North Dakota. Uh, they've added a, a street address requirement, which uh, means that uh, most of the indigenous people on reservations will be denied the right to vote. There are all sorts of barriers now in Arizona and North Carolina. Uh, the only way that Trump is going to keep his power is to prevent people from voting. And uh, so I, I am going to work the polls here in California, and I hope everybody listening who has you know decided they're going to vote um, need to decide they're going to uh, be poll workers and and help people and, and have their video cameras, you know, their cell phones ready to photograph the, uh, and tape denials. And, um, you know, uh, we, it's not enough just to vote. And this is, the, I consider this to be, you know, a turning point election. I'm not the only one, obviously. But if Trump holds, God forbid, both houses of Congress, he's got another two years to absolutely destroy any remnants of democracy in this country. And there's no doubt that that's exactly what he means to do. I mean, um, you know, he's talking about uh, lock her up. Uh, you know, that's a definite threat. I mean, look what is happening in Brazil. You had Lula, the social democrat, who was clearly going to win the election, and they threw him in prison, and now um, um, trumped up charges, and now uh, they've got this, this actual fascist. Um, uh, who's leading in the polls. Um, when, when Trump talks about left-wing mobs, you know, he's basically getting ready to fire up the death squad. So, Well, well no are you saying there's no uh, liberal uh, mob? You haven't seen these people out there with hunks of brie throwing them? <laughs> right, right. All that deadly tofu, man. I mean, come on. So, you know... It's it's not it's not cool and and you know calling the people in Charlotte the neo Nazis fine people I mean I think it's beginning to dawn on people that Trump is the American Hitler and if he carries both houses of Congress in this election we're in really deep trouble so I, I hope that the this uh, this young candidate in Central Ohio uh, gets the 12th district I hope the God Danny, Danny O'Connor are you referring to Yes and I hope uh, Sherrod Brown who's Really, uh, one of the best senators ever uh, is safely reelected, and uh, that we somehow survive this. Um, because if if Trump has both houses of Congress, if, if and of course the Dem you know we're we're in really you know more than deep trouble, and of course the Democratic Party, as usual, is doing nothing to protect voter registration, nothing to um, uh, get people trained to be poll workers. No grassroots efforts. So uh, DSA and 
uh, 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 Democrats, uh, Americans with Democratic Action, and all, all the other left. Uh, Progressive Democrats either. of America, your good friend Mimi. PDA, yeah. Mimi and Alan, Alan Minsky. I mean, uh, these are the groups that are going to have to come out and train people and get everybody uh, going. But if, if listening in, it's not enough to vote. You've got you to gotta be a poll worker. You've got to get people out to the polls. Somehow we've got to protect the vote. You know, as, uh, we've got to watch the Board of Control central tabulators from the counties. Make sure they don't flip. Yep. I mean, all this has to be done because it's not enough just to come out and vote. There's no way to do it. Um, and if we, if we don't capture at least one House of Congress uh, in the coming election, uh, you know, it's basically over. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, American democracy died in 92 when Clinton uh, became president with the backing of the uh, Democratic Leadership Council, which he had sold, you know, he'd sold the Democratic Party to the bankers. And then now we're seeing the end of even the Republic, which is, uh, you know, um, uh, the end of the end here. So what's at stake in this midterm election is uh, any kind of holdback on Trump's being a fascist. I, I think we can call them Trumpists now. Um, uh, the term fascist is a little loaded, but Trumpist is pretty accurate as an American fascist. And uh, and the what, not only American the American Republic, but the global ecology is really at stake here. And so um, uh, let's uh, let's do what needs to be done to protect the vote, and and uh, maybe we'll survive. Let's hope. Well, the question is: uh, Is it too late in certain states? I mean, uh, Mr. Houston here, Secretary of State, running for Lieutenant Governor won the right to purge somebody after they didn't vote in two federal elections if they didn't return uh, a sort of weird-looking ma- uh, mailing, you know, a, a, a postcard that uh, he sent them. So that would mean that if you voted, you live in the 12th district, uh, of course, and you voted, didn't vote in the primary and didn't vote in the special election, you could be purged. Yeah, and yeah. believe me, they'll do it. I mean, you know, look what they're doing to the indigenous in North Dakota. If you don't have a street address, and very, very few people living on reservations have street addresses, you know, you're not going to be able to vote. They have post boxes. And certainly the Secretary of State uh, knew all about that in North Dakota uh, when he put in this new requirement. Uh, so, you know, this is this is dire straits here. I mean, the as you and I documented, uh, the Democrats uh, have failed to come to the uh, the defense of our electoral system, and uh, we're in big trouble. So people really got to come out and not only vote, but work as poll, uh, poll workers and uh, make sure that people get the right to vote and that uh, provisional ballots aren't pitched in the trash and the whole deal. But it's, it's, this is a desperate moment in world history. And uh, we got a new piece out. Yes, we do, actually. It's at uh, freepress.org and uh, Reader Supported News. Um, uh, just uh, warning people that, uh, you know, that Trump is, is the Trumpists, uh, the new word for American fascists is Trumpists, um, are doing everything to strip the voter rolls and, and rig the elections and 
uh, if people aren't uh, willing to engage, we're going to be in serious trouble. All right, a minute left. Uh, where can people go to get more information from uh, Harvey Sluggo Wasserman? Well, our books, uh, yours and my books, are at freepress.org, and uh, uh, we can also come to soartopia.org, uh, where others of my books are. And, you know, let's just, uh, this, this, is, uh, this is crunch time. This is where uh, the rubber hits the road, and everybody's got to come out not only to vote, but to um, uh, be poll monitors and, and deal with the other parts of stripping and slipping. All right. Thank you, Harvey Wasserman. Keep the faith, my brother. We're out of here. WGRN 94.1. You've been listening to The Other Side of the News. You've been listening to a pre-recorded episode of The Other Side of the News. The show airs at 5.30 Fridays on WGRN, The Green Renaissance. Thanks for listening to The Other Side of the News. This is Bob Fitrakis. And Dan Dugan, WGRN 94.1, LPFM, The Green Renaissance.